Well, hey there. Welcome to The Real Podcast, hosted by Jason Kaliba. We think that real people are interesting, not just celebrities and superstars, but also the guy standing in line next to you at the grocery store and the kid beside you in church. We're passionate about sharing the stories and insights of those people, real people, so that you're challenged and maybe even inspired to grow. If you'd like additional resources or more information about our guests, check out our webpage at cochranalliance.com backslash real. So, let's get real. All right, here we go. Most Christians at some point in their life come to realize, um, I guess some question, Christians would be the wrong way to say it. All Christians come to the realization that God exists in their life and that uh, he has created them and made them and designed them to be in relationship with him. And most Christians, because of the story of Jesus, him coming and living and dying for our sins and rising again, because he was a human being, we tend to, I think, as Christians understand the person of Jesus. And we kind of understand the the person of God the Father, someone who is on the throne, in charge, sovereign, our heavenly Father, and it seems kind of natural to relate to him. And at the same time, Scripture also teaches that God exists as the Holy Spirit, and that uh, although the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, there exists three persons, and yet he is one, and that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perhaps the person uh, in the Trinity that is understand the least is the Holy Spirit. And there is a diversity of opinion uh, in the Christian world of uh, how the Holy Spirit operates and how a Christian uh, connects and relates to him. And uh, that question is still alive and uh, well in our world today. And it is the, the person that we'd like to discuss today. And it's my privilege to welcome into the real studio uh, two friends of mine, Randall Heyer and Doug Balzer. Fellas, welcome here. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, before we we jump into a discussion here, maybe uh, you could just tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do with most of the time during the day. And um, it might also be good for us to know why would you be interested in spending an hour talking about the Holy Spirit. What is it? What personal skin in the game do you have when it comes to uh, the subject of the Holy Spirit? Randall, why don't you start us off? All right. Yeah. So I am the worship pastor here at Cochrane Alliance, and uh, I've been here for just about a year. I spend most of my day planning uh, Sunday services and in different meetings. Um, sometimes I get to sit down on my guitar and sing songs to God <laughs> during my work day. Um, yeah, and I, I think the reason why I'm interested in this subject is uh, that I believe that the Holy Spirit is our only hope for fulfilling what God has called us to as believers. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> uh, that being living a holy and righteous life that being uh, carrying out the calling that he has on our individual lives. Um, he empowers us to, you know, share the good news with those around us who don't know yet. And so I, I've, I firmly believe that we have no other hope than communing with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to abide in us and flow through us um, to those around us. Okay. Doug, who are you? Why do you have skin in the game here? Well, I'm a son of the living king, as you two are, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, I spend most of my time uh, serving our family of churches. So there's about 115 churches in Alberta and the Northwest Territories in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Mm. And you could articulate my title in a few ways, but in relation to this conversation here, I'm a spiritual renewal catalyst. And I spend about two-thirds of my time equipping churches and leaders to become reacquainted or initially acquainted mm. with uh, the person whom Jesus sent to empower his church to bring her freedom. Uh, to reveal himself to her, his church, and to operate uh, in all the empowerment he has for her towards the mission of the Father. So 
did you notice I put the Trinity in there? All three of them. Very nice. There you go. <laughs> uh, Doug, I also know that you just uh, did some uh, postgraduate work in relation to this area. So just tell us a little bit about what you've been studying over the past couple of years. Yeah, so I completed a doctorate ministry, and it was actually today, um, a year ago, when I defended my dissertation. And I studied the effects of deliverance of 46 Christian leaders. Hmm. Um, and you guys would know many of them. Hmm. Uh, elders, pastors, uh, international workers, denominational leaders, and some people might think, oh, deliverance, it's all about the demons. Actually, no. The conclusions of the study were Jesus is way better than we know him to be. Hmm. And the normal that many Christians experience in terms of feeling condemned, being crippled by fear and discouragement is is not the normal that Jesus intended for his church. Hmm. Jesus is way better than we know, and his freedom is way underrated. Hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a positive outcome, you know, there's, because he, he is an infinite God. You can't come to the end of who he is. Hmm. In fact, every one of his attributes at the core is rooted in his infinitude, which is a word, but I had to look it up. Hmm. And so if he is infinite, you, you just can't come to the end of him. Hmm. There's always more. Okay. Well, uh, we're already getting into thoughts, but maybe before uh, I pick your brain really on like, what you think about the Holy Spirit uh, and what Christians should think or believe. Uh, I would love to hear from both of you a little bit more on how you've got to know him. So, uh, Randall, I'll start with you. Maybe talk a little bit about your own experience of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, When would you say uh, that you first came to know or experience the Holy Spirit? What's the first time that you remember even that he... uh, Maybe I want to go beyond just understanding, but you kind of knew he was there. Yeah. Well, I think uh, growing up, I, you know, uh, 14, 15, 16 in those years, I um, I spent a lot of my evenings uh, reading the Bible and worshiping. Um, and so I would spend evenings in my room and I'd have the worship music playing and there would be moments where I would begin to just cry uncontrollably and, or I would be dancing, uh, in the freedom of Jesus. Was this during puberty or? <laughs> <laughs> I guess no, that's not, not a real question. Keep going. Um, and so, um, back then I, I would say I didn't have a context for what was happening, hmm. but I would believe now that I was experiencing the presence of God the Holy Spirit inside of me, hmm. and I was communing with Him, and um, yeah. So those were my uh, some of my early experiences. I also remember one time I was driving in the car at the age of nineteen, and and uh, I was listening to a sermon by David Wilkerson, hmm. and um, the the sermon title was "Getting to Know the Holy Spirit," and I'm I'm driving on the on the road, and all of a sudden. Out of out of nowhere, uh, I begin to weep uncontrollably, and David Wilkerson was talking about being sons and daughters of God, mm. and I believe now I would I wouldn't have been able to tell you then what it was, mm. but I would I believe that the Spirit of God was witnessing to my spirit that mm. I was His son. Mm. You know, Galatians chapter four uh, talks about how the God has put His Spirit into us, crying out, "Abba, Father." And so uh, that was an, uh, an experience as well that I had just with the Holy Spirit. And, and then a couple of years later when I was um, serving with Youth with a Mission, I had just gotten married and I'm uh, sitting on the couch in our apartment and I'm reading the, the book of John and I come to John sixteen seven, and it says, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, mm-hmm. and he's and he's saying, you know, it's better for me to go, um, and I and I will have the Father send you a helper. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember in that moment, like yeah, I knew who the Holy Spirit was, and um, but I remember in that moment uh, just getting this incredible revelation that it was actually better for Jesus not to be here with us on earth. Um, you know, many people I think would love to have Jesus, you know, by their side at all times. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, Jesus said, it's better for me to leave than, than, uh, 
than for me to stay and I'll send you a helper. And so, um, just getting those different types of revelations and a lot of it, um, I didn't have a, a framework or, um, yeah, I didn't have the, the framework for what was happening in those moments. You just knew it was good and it was real. Exactly. Mm. And I wanted more of it. Mm. Curious, Randall, all, all three of the examples you gave, like people think of worship leaders are, are those who are more likely to encounter God in a corporate setting. Each of those times was just you alone with, mm-hmm. with, with the Lord. Yeah. Have you ever reflected on that? Like, Are you a person who experiences the Holy Spirit more by yourself than in a corporate environment? Yeah, you know, uh, I haven't reflected on that a ton, but I would say that, um, I, you know, it might be a 60-40 split or a 70-30 <laughs> split, I sure. don't know, but I, I uh, definitely, um, you know, in my times alone with the Lord, um, have encountered Him in incredible ways. Okay. Um, yeah, even sometimes just laying on the basement floor and listening to worship music and, and the presence of God is just filling the room. And yeah, may, you know, maybe now that I think of it, um, my encounters with God have been incredible just one-on-one, yeah. Okay. Doug, uh, talk to us a little bit about how, how you've gotten to know God this way. Well, you know, one doesn't find faith in Christ without experiencing the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Maybe many people don't know that it is technically not Jesus who brings conviction. It's Holy Spirit that brings conviction. That's what he does. It's what the Bible teaches he does. So certainly there, uh, some of the listeners might be familiar with Nose Hill Park in Calgary. I grew up a block away from it. That was my sacred space. And when I was about 12 or 13 years old, sitting on a rock that's called Turtle Rock, Hmm. I heard not an audible voice, but a pretty clear voice in my spirit. And this voice was saying, if you put your life in my hands, I will do with it what you could never imagine. And I I recognized that was not of me. And um, that forms my calling, which isn't to vocational ministry. It's to a person Hmm. um, to do whatever he wants. But, you know, more recently, I I feel like I've woken up in the last 10 years, uh, woken up from... um, sleepiness towards awareness of the spirit because whether or not I'm aware he is there mm-hmm. he's omnipresent and he lives in us because each each child of God is a temple of uh, of his presence and so it was um about a decade ago there was an offense against my family and at this time I was a denominational leader and there was an offense against our family and the story isn't about the offense it's about my reaction to it which was incredibly disproportionate the offense demanded a conversation with Mm. the offender. On a scale of one to 10, it was a a three or a four. Like, we gotta sit down and work this out. And I reacted to a 15. Okay. Uh, Came completely unhinged, almost had a nervous breakdown, and found myself in a Christian counselor's office, not knowing how to navigate the next 10 minutes of my life, let alone the next year. Mm. And this, this Christian counselor understood that the work of the Holy Spirit is also to bring freedom. Second Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, she also recognized that he's not bound by time. Um, she also recognized that he's omnipresent. And so he is, he is everywhere. And if we are not aware of him in our trauma, we have an incomplete memory. Like this is a theological argument. It's, it's true. Hmm. And so I didn't know where this incredibly disproportionate reaction came from. And it's a rule of thumb. If, you're, if your reaction to whatever it is is significantly muted or significantly amplified, it's mm. a very strong indicator that there is something in the person's background. It was for me too. That is not processed, mm-hmm. is buried or whatever. And I had no idea what the root was. And this Christian counselor asked Holy Spirit to reveal if there was a memory. And sure enough, a memory came. Hmm. And then she asked, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Christ to Doug? And this is what the Spirit does. He always reveals Jesus. Mm-hmm. So for those who are a little skittish about the Spirit, like if you want more of Jesus, there's only one way you'll hear more of him. It's through the Spirit. Hmm. And it was in that moment where I discovered, oh, there is a God who is very present who can bring freedom. And you know, some people want more of Jesus, more of, let's say more of the Holy Spirit, because that's the topic here. Sure. Some people want more of the Holy Spirit because they want more of Jesus. You know, God bless them. May your tribe increase. Some people want more of, of Jesus or more of the Spirit because they want more freedom. I was in a different, or some people want more of Jesus and the Spirit for more empowerment, for mission. 
well, God bless you. May your drive mm-hmm. increase. I wasn't in any of those categories. None of that was on my radar. Mm. I was desperate for less torment. Mm. The torment going on inside me, the fear, the condemnation, mm. all of that was so loud I could hardly think. And Jesus actually worked with that motivation as well. He's just that good. Mm. So maybe just uh, progress a little bit from that. Was there something then that opened up within you? or Because it wasn't just then a personal journey, I know, that's come to impact your leadership as well and how you want to lead others within our family uh, of, of Christians. Yeah, and you know, some of your listeners may or may not be aware, um, you know, since that story I just told you, yep. um, about four years post that story and since we've led over 50 or 60 um, spiritual renewal events of various kinds um, here in Canada, a few elsewhere, often usually in churches. And, you know, I'm, what we're doing is like we're, we're, we are, Terry and I, we are beggars who have found some great loaves of bread along the road. Hmm. And there's lots to share with other people. And so, yeah, to get to your question, Jason, out of that experience, there's a lot of healing. Hmm. Um, and it continues. I'm not done yet. There's only more freedom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, I learned, oh, he, the Holy Spirit speaks. He actually has things he wants to tell his kids. Mm. And I can learn to listen. Jesus said, my sheep follow me because I know my voice. So we're wired to, to listen. Most of us in the evangelical world, it has been my experience, are not aware as to how accessible his voice is. Mm-hmm. And so there often needs to be some dismantling of false understandings of what that voice would be. And he is the still small voice. And, and he speaks um, almost continually if we're willing to listen. Mm. And it may not be fireworks and Disneyland and all of that, but no, he, the Spirit's always revealing truth. He's always revealing the person of Jesus. Okay. He's always reminding us of who we are. He's always reminding us of what Christ has done. And from then, he's always pointing us to where the Father's at work so we can join it, um, him in what he's doing. Hmm. So another, uh, uh, jumping off of that, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit empowers people so that the body is is um, is strengthened and functions as it designed is he gives gifts. So we talk about spiritual gifts, which these gifts are named after him. Uh, what spiritual gifts as you've looked at your life as you've lived over half of it already and seen the holy spirit uh, gift you to do stuff what uh, what's your sense of the gifts he's given you uh, to to use to uh, give glory to jesus and build up the church you know someone a little while ago uh gave me a good handle on on this because I've always been a little bit uncomfortable in describing my own gifts in particular because it's not like they're siloed entities, you know. Okay. I have this gift and that gift. It's it's more of this package, and the, you know, the spiritual gifts are graces of of the Lord. It's it's his, effectively his person. Okay. So I, I'm frequently accused of bringing wise prophetic leadership. Hmm. So, you know, the Lord might whisper to me some insights that can bring wisdom to a situation that can strengthen the church and some leadership. Okay. Um, my wife is, uh, those who, those people who know her, uh, she is, um, extraordinarily more spirit sensitive than I am. Hmm. Um, I speak in tongues. She doesn't Hmm. go figure. Hmm. I'm more the cerebral brainiac. Um, so, and that's, that's a more of a new journey for me in the last five years trying to figure out, well, what does that look like? Okay. And, how does scripture inform the, the utility of that in various contexts? Hmm. So I'm a, I'm a newbie on that one. Um, okay. R- Randall, uh, how about you? When you've seen the Holy Spirit giving you gifts uh, to serve, uh, uh, you don't need to fill in like the whole package, but in, in terms of understanding your own gifts, what, what would you say? Yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I'd probably... Uh, Go down some of the similar road, um, uh, prophetic gifting, um, word of knowledge, like knowing something about someone's situation that I wouldn't otherwise know. Um, uh, tongues as well in, in a personal prayer language type gift. Um, I've never, 
I've never given a public tongue to be interpreted or interpreted tongues like that, but uh, more of a personal prayer language. Um, I, I remember this one time, uh, more of a word of knowledge type uh, situation where I was praying for a, a man and it the Lord just dropped in my heart. He said, tell him that his family is okay. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is a this is a little weird. Like, I, d- I don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, Hey, I, you know, I submit this to you. I just feel like the Lord is, is speaking this to me about your situation. And I just want to let you know that your, your family is, okay, is okay. Mm. And he just looked at me. He's like, wow. Like I just got off the phone like a couple minutes ago with my, uh, with my family back home. And my mom just went into the hospital, mm. uh, with a, a sickness and my family's really worried. They're they're uh, concerned for her, and uh, so it was just like a comforting, prophetic word, word of knowledge type uh, gift that the, the Lord gave me in that moment. So okay. Um, I also, just in terms of giftings, I don't. This might I think this is biblical, but I think um, I think we all have the ability to utilize all of the gifts because uh, the the uh paul talks about how it's as he discerns uh giving the gifts and i think we all have the same spirit within us Mm. Uh, so i think at different times you know the holy spirit can give different gifts for different situations okay um but yeah i would agree with that too I, I would say any of the, you know, God's God. He can do what he wants. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. We're not putting boxes around him. That's, that's not even possible. Uh, however, and, and I think you would agree, uh, he gives gifts. And so um, whatever gifts you have, it is predictable that every time you engage in that gift, it will be a demonstration of the Lord's power in that gift. So, mm. you know, Jason, you have a preaching gift. So every time you take the pulpit, the Spirit's empowerment is there for it. Right. Mm. So right. I think we have more predictive giftedness, okay. and at the same time, the Lord can do whatever He wants. Mm. Right. He could use someone who's never been a preacher to suddenly boldly and compellingly proclaim the word of truth okay. in, mm. in some given scenario. Okay, yeah. so you wouldn't say just because you haven't exercised this gift before doesn't mean that forever and ever, amen, you're never going to be able to have uh, have some discernment at a certain time or... Uh, that God couldn't give well, you a gift of Well, I would say every, every believer has discernment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. That is that is discernment. Discernment is, is the ability to, to discern left or right or right or wrong. But it, every believer, if they are a child of God, has some measure of the ability to discern, sure. which may not be the same as a gift of discernment. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's all splitting hairs here. Okay, yeah. well, let's, let's uh, turn a corner here then. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe one more question, uh, about your personal, um, take here. And this is, uh, if you think about those who've taught you well, so of course we'd say, uh, everyone who wants to understand the Holy Spirit should probably read what Jesus has to say in, uh, the upper room discourse in John 14, 15, 16, that would be important for them to hear his teaching, read, uh, the middle of First Corinthians, where there's a lot of teaching on uh, the Spirit, His gifts, and and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, in in some of Paul's works. But if you were to go outside the Bible, who are some teachers that have helped you and might help someone who's listening today? Go, I don't know who could I trust because there's probably a million books in the Holy Spirit, and yeah. maybe not all of them would be as helpful as others. Are there a couple? that have been helpful for you that you would recommend to someone who wants to dig a little deeper? Yeah. Um, uh, I would, I've got a few here. I think, um, Jack Deere, he's got two books that are absolutely phenomenal. Maybe the best books I've read on this, um, surprised by the voice of God and surprised by the power of the spirit. Um, really thorough, really thick, uh, books, but definitely worth giving a read. I know I've uh, recommended them. I've recommended them to others, and uh, actually, this this one girl I recommended it to. It absolutely changed her life and mm. how she viewed the spirit and um, the gifts of the spirit and how how the spirit of God moves. Um, as well, Gordon Fee is a phenomenal writer <clears throat> on this subject, and uh, he wrote a huge nine hundred 
page book called God's Empowering Presence. Um, but there's a shorter version of it called Paul, the Spirit and the People of God. And mm. so uh, that's a that would be a really good book to read as well. Okay. But Doug, anywhere that you would uh, st- send someone? Well, there's one title that comes to mind in a lot of leadership teams uh, in the curious, but cautious evangelical world have been um, reading R.T. Kendall's Holy Fire. Mm-hmm. So R.T. Kendall is a former minister to Westminster Chapel, and he describes himself as a former cessationist. So cessationist is someone who believes that the more manifest gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased at the end of the age of the apostles. Mm-hmm. And he came out of that background, and then he... You really realize that there is uh, zero biblical theological support for that position, and mm. so it's a great it's a great read if that is something of a person's background, a little bit more hesitant, uh, curious but cautious. He understands that he lays down a, a terrific biblical theological, moving towards experiential mm. uh, pathway for people. And actually, uh, our staff team and and our elders right now are working through that one, mm-hmm. uh, partly because way back in the day might have been one of the ones you recommended to read. And we're finding some of it helpful and anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. s- some, maybe I feel he's a little too cautious on some points, but uh, worth a read. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, maybe on that, Artie uh, Kendall is writing in that particular book to a very, to a certain wing of the evangelical church of which we're part of that tribe. And... Um, uh, where would you say, in your opinion, do you think evangelical Christians, the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, Baptists, uh, w- where do you would you say, Doug, that you say, I-, I think we have a pretty good grasp of this aspect of the person, the work, the nature of the Holy Spirit, that I think it's pretty accurate and we believe and we act like we believe it. Where would you say... We're on point when it comes to the person, the Holy Spirit. I can't think of many ways I can say that. No, but here, here's why. So, okay. you know, in, um, in, in uh, Acts 19, some apostles roll into Ephesus, and they're talking with these guys. And I'm obviously, I'm putting, painting some color around the story. Okay. But they stop and go, whoa, what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, or baptism of repentance, but not um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somehow, we don't know what it is, but somehow these these apostles recognize that they lacked something that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, don't even go on mission. Like, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't even think about engaging in this thing we call the Great Commission, mm-hmm. which arguably all of us churches are about. Don't even do that until you've been clothed with power from on high. I would answer your question. I think we're tracking if the church was actually demonstrating the widespread societal transformation that it has periodically throughout history. It's not a pipe dream. It's happened many times throughout history. just hasn't happened in the West in 150 years. Mm-hmm. If I saw great um, echoes or demonstrations of that, I would say, yeah, I think, I think we, we're tracking with it. But I know when I look at my own life, there seems to be a massive gap between what the Bible says ought to be normal and my own life. So I'm, I, I can't say that we have a whole lot of it down pat. We, we may say we believe it theologically, but if we believe it theologically but don't live it out practically, we actually don't believe it. Okay. So I, you can see I'm pretty passionate about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced there's a, a whole different uh, world that could be normal for the church that doesn't have to be in the ditches, in the excesses mm-hmm. that Jesus has purchased for her. And I want to see the church change the world. Not politically, like not, not some like, you know, um, religious right kind of movement. That's not what I'm getting at. But lives that are changed, marriages that are redeemed, um, businesses that experience the kingdom of God flowing into and out of their, mm-hmm. all of that, that, that's possible. But I'm just not seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. I see hunger for it. So I am not pessimistic. I'm incredibly yeah. optimistic, but I think we have a lot to learn and a lot to jettison as well. Okay, so let me ask a clarifying question then. So if I'm hearing you right, the last time that the, a part of the world experienced you know, real revival, or at least the West was second grade awakening, Yeah. Um, and your take would be the reason there isn't massive cultural change that the world isn't looking at uh, Christianity or a Jesus and saying we need to check him out is because at some point we've we've lost our belief that the Holy Spirit works that way. Am, am I am I being too simplistic there? How, how would you? That, that would me? be a significant part of it, but there's there's all kinds of outplays to that. So, in my in my view, the Western Church is coming out of a post Enlightenment hangover, 
and in the Enlightenment, the argument was anything that's real can only be measured scientifically. Okay. And so the church in the 1800s, 1900s significantly shifted to a cognitive orientation to faith. Okay. And so the orientation was get the right statement of faith, like codify your faith, mm-hmm. believe the right things, and that will take care of it. And I'm not against um, statements of faith. I mean, for crying out loud, I live in a, work in a denominational office. But the codification of faith is not the silver bullet for the victory of the church in the world. It is, yes, being grounded rightly, but then it has to be partnering with the Spirit hmm. in, what, in what God is doing. And um, I'm optimistic, so don't, 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 take the, don't hear what I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we're, we're only scratching 5% of okay. what Jesus has for his church. Hmm. And the rest of the 95% is not human-generated um, ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as if we're not trying hard enough. The church has never had more information in her history. Mm-hmm. You know, and us three here, we probably have a smartphone in their pocket. Right. And you can access all of that, in a sense, My wife from there. It. She hates that I ask Google all the time. So our problem <laughs> is not an informational problem. Our problem is a transformational problem. Okay. Our problem is, uh, is a participation problem with what God's doing. Okay. I think too, like a lot of us would, uh, would say, you know, we want, we want Jesus, um, but we're not sure about the Holy Spirit. And, and I think, you know, Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And, and so he, if, if Jesus, the son of the living God needed the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why do we think that we wouldn't need it ourselves? And, and and when we have and we, when we've been baptized by him and and uh, empowered by him, at that point we have uh, empowerment for ministry, empowerment um, to live a holy and righteous life, to to walk in boldness in sharing the good news, uh, sharing our faith with our neighbors, with uh, you know people at the grocery store, asking God to heal people, um, and so. Yeah, where have we missed the mark? I think, um, where have we missed it or where do we have it? Uh, I think we need more of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, okay, so let me, let me I'll, I'll get both of you guys to answer this, but Randall, where, where do you say in what particular ways uh, does God's Spirit want to uh, engage with us, fill us, uh, speak to us, uh, but we're not, typical evangelical Christians might not be experiencing that even though God has always wanted it to be normative like that should be the normal experience but we don't we don't what and where do what ways would you point out um you know I think a lot of it comes down to uh being aware of God uh wanting to move wanting to speak um a lot of the times I think uh, we just aren't aware of the Spirit of God moving in our midst or wanting to speak to us. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily answering your question, um, but I think, you know, just pursuing more of uh, the Holy Spirit and and allowing Him to, to uh, work in our lives and asking Him to work in us and through us. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I would go. Okay, so Doug, you mentioned something like Randall, that the 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 Spirit is omnipresent, and that He's there whether we realize or not. So tell me, if what should, what might be possible for me in terms of awareness that God's presence is there with me, and that there's a person there all the time. What what might be different than my average everyday time? Like, well, I'm aware when. I think about it, or when I read my Bible, or when I go to church, I'm kind of aware of the Holy Spirit. How, how tactically might I actually be aware more? Is that, I don't know, is that a real question? You know, I was reading my Bible in the Starbucks um, about a year after that almost breakdown I had. Mm-hmm. I was reading John 10, and John 10, Jesus kind of goes around and around in different ways. My sheep follow me because I know his voice. The, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Yeah. I'm a leader, I'm an ordained minister at the time, and I, and I asked myself the question, which may have been spirit-prompted, in hindsight probably. And the question was, if God spoke, if Jesus spoke, would I even recognize his voice? 
And as a Christian leader, my answer was in my journal that day, I don't know. Okay. And I was deeply disturbed by that. And so I got on a quest of asking Jesus regularly. I don't know how often, but it was like a weekly thing for a year or two. Jesus, disciple me to know how to hear your voice. Your Bible says that I can. So I don't have a lot of, I mean, we, we train in this kind of thing, but for listeners, I don't have advice better than ask Jesus to disciple you in this. Like, mm-hmm. he desires it more than we do. Okay. He doesn't play cat and mouse with his kids. The enemy sets up arguments and strongholds that stand in the way of the knowledge of Christ. Bible says that. Yep. So we do know there's an enemy of our soul who is doing everything he can to confuse, to distort, whatever. But Jesus wants access. And I just haven't met anyone who had said, Jesus, give me access to knowing your voice better, mm-hmm. where he didn't show, he didn't show up. So at an event here, just like a month ago, this lady came up, comes up to me in, in a good alliance church here in this province. And she goes, you know, you've been teaching on the Holy Spirit, but I can't hear the Holy Spirit. And uh, well, number one, that's a lie mm. because she's a sheep. The Bible says she can hear. Mm. So I asked her, I, I reminded her of that. And I said, now, can you renounce that lie? And she renounced the lie. And then I said, why don't you right now ask Jesus to reveal himself to you so that you can hear his voice? Mm. And she did. And I prayed a really quick prayer. And I said, Jesus, by the time she comes back tomorrow morning, would you reveal yourself to her? And she mm. came back the next day. He spoke. And, she, mm. and she, she knew that it was Jesus. In this case, it was affirming who she was, that she is loved by God mm. and she is kept by him. And that's often what his voice communicates to people. So for your listeners, if they're curious about this, go after it. Like yeah. pursue him. Prayer, fasting, and say, Jesus, you promised that I would know. Yeah. Help me know. And he'll come through. Okay. Yeah, I heard a, a quote recently by Michael Miller. He's uh, the lead pastor of uh, the Upper Room. And he said, you have as much of God as you want. And in that moment, my heart kind of just sunk. And I was like, oh, no. I literally have as much of God as, as I, like, as much as I'm pursuing him, that's as much as I'm experiencing him, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think just to encourage listeners, like, you have as much of God as you desire. Um, and so go after more. Ask for more. Um, you know, Jesus says, what good father wouldn't want to give good things to his children? Mm. And so... Like Doug said, if if you're asking to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, why wouldn't he want to reveal himself to you? Or why wouldn't he? So if I'm hearing both of you, uh, both of you are saying the um, the initi- initiatory step, that's maybe too, like, like Doug said, the initiatory step is to come to know God through Jesus and come to faith, and that's a Holy Spirit initiation. Uh, but if someone says, look, I... I don't know. I'm scared, but I I'd, I'd like I would like to know more of God. I I don't want to miss out on uh, having a relationship with the Triune God like I could. You're both saying, well, you should start. You start by asking and saying, okay, God, I'd I'd like you to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm open. Please do it. Is there any other initiate uh, the a uh, first steps kind of thing that you would say besides asking God to do it? Well, the, the first steps are, are, are pretty predictable. So okay. um, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift that God has promised. So if a person is not walking in repentance in every way that they know God has revealed sin in their lives, yeah. well, then, you know, good luck, right? Okay. So you would say, hey, <laughs> so, yeah. you got to be transparent with God yeah, first, yeah. just saying do something good while holding on to a lot of darkness. A it's surrendered, not... obedient life. Okay. Um, the primary uh, vehicle through which God speaks is through the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, it's not the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible, though. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible is there, among other things, to in partnership with the work of the Spirit who illuminates to show us the living word from the written word. So be in the word of God. So it's all of these things. But one, one thing... like. So, you know, I, I've worked with over 7,000 people and many leaders over the last number of years on this. And if, if anything seems to be a pattern, if you take the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So coming back to your question about where is evangelicalism tracking well, 
So I think we're attracting well in loving all the Lord our God with all of our mind. So we've got like this cognitive um, theological framework, statements of faith. Okay, good. Um, our strength, so we're diving into mission and doing what we can. Mm-hmm. And even our heart, you know, we're our, our trying to align our affections to the Lord. But it seems that in this particular moment in history, it would seem the Lord is leading the church to love him with all of our soul. Mm-hmm. And that's going down into the deep places. And many, many leaders, the, actually the vast majority, Jason, that um, are finding breakthrough, are giving God access to the yet-to-be-redeemed places in their soul. And they will often manifest through condemnation, through fear, through shame, through, through things that they wouldn't want to expose. And that is my journey as well. Those are often things that get in the way. And so Ephesians 3, it talks about um, Paul's praying that their inner being, the, the Ephesians, and who, by the way, they have the Spirit of God because they are the saints at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. He's praying that something would be strengthened by the Spirit in their inner being so that Christ could dwell in their hearts through faith. So there's something in these already Spirit-inhabited people in their souls that needs to be done. There's some strengthening, some cleaning mm-hmm. out some expansion. Mm-hmm. Why? So they, they can have more of Jesus. And, and this is the journey. So Rob Reamer's book, Soul Care and Conferences are associated with that. That's what it's, it's primarily doing, is leading people into the soul to deal with the lies that they're believing, to deal with the fear that perhaps is being attached to their life. Why? Not just so that they feel better, but so that Christ lives in their heart in greater ways, okay. so that the world can know every tribe, tongue, and nation can acknowledge Christ. Okay. Randall, so um, as someone may be listening to this, and I I know this is a question for a lot of people, some people say, okay, it sounds good, it sounds biblical, but I'm nervous about, like, all this Holy Spirit stuff because I've been in church services or settings where just weird stuff has happened, uh, or... I've been disappointed before. I've got my hopes up and listening to, to people talk, preachers talk like you, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me directly and lead me and he might want to heal me. But then I was led to believe that a miracle was around the corner and I didn't experience one. Or I was told that, you know, if I really was going to have the Spirit, that, that I was going to do something or a miraculous sign was going to come about in my life and it didn't. And it felt manipulative, it felt disappointing, and it didn't feel true. And so I just, I'd prefer to stay in the cognitive area because it's, the other stuff did, didn't seem true. What, what would you say to someone who goes like, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't go there because, because of those negative experiences? You know, first of all, I would probably just uh, say sorry to them say sorry that they've had negative experiences with uh, individuals who may have been walking in spiritual abuse, potentially. Mm. Um, and I would just say, yeah, I, I'm really sorry that you've had these experiences. Look, we've probably all had these experiences where mm. um, we uh, haven't had a great... Uh, someone may have been walking in the flesh, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. And so... Um, but then I would say, you know, let's go back to the Word of God. Let's um, let's focus our uh, our attention on what the Word of God says. Um, and and if and if your experiences can um, be brought back to uh, the Word, um, you know, maybe. Um, well, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, bring everything back to the Word of God. And, and if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, meaning if in, in the whole of Scripture, if, if it's uh, not lining up with the Word of God, then uh, just, you know, lay it to the side. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been, I've been in places where uh, some, the preacher has, you know, put his hand on my head and I'm supposed to fall over and, and it gets really awkward because I'm not falling over, you know, Mm. and, um, you know, and I, and for me, I kind of take the position of this is awkward. This is weird. I don't know why he's doing this right now, but I want more of Jesus. Mm. I want more of God. I want more of him. 
So um, I guess I'm willing to, I'm not willing, I don't like those experiences, but um, I want to encounter God in every way that I can. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would also say, you know, it takes a lot of maturity to to um, lay those experiences aside and and just say, hey, we'll, we'll leave that over here and uh, I'll forgive those individuals who walked in that way and uh, I want I want more of God. Mm. Um, and so that's, I think, that's how I would take that road. Okay. Yeah. Doug, anything you would add? Yeah, I really resonate with uh, what Randall's saying. Um, I, I would add that in any area that is... Um, theological, but also experiential. There's always two ditches, right? And so when it comes to the person work of the Holy Spirit, there are two ditches. And there is one that you could call fear and ignorance. And I didn't grow up in the Alliance. That was a background I came in. It was more ignorant than fearful, but some backgrounds are more fearful than ignorant. Okay. ignorant. And so it's just like, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We keep them at arm's distance, either through ignorance or fear. That's one ditch. Another ditch is the pursuit of manifestations. We've never been commanded to pursue manifestations. We pursue Jesus, and his life in us manifests his glory. But a ditch is where we make the idol uh, do exactly what you did before God in a particular way. Mm. And that's that's a ditch. Now, the, the incorrect response to a ditch is to run out of the ditch into the other. And that so typically happens. So people who come out of fear and ignorance, they're, they're, they're traversing perpendicular the road, if you can follow the metaphor out there in listener land. And so they've got, motor, they've got tra- trajectory heading towards the center of the road, but they often can be sucked into the other ditch. Or those who have experienced excesses, they're like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. This is not, this a lot, significantly is not of God. And so they are trying to get to the center of the road and they fall into the other okay. ditch of yeah. fear. And the responsibility for thinking believers and rooted believers is to somewhere in the middle of the road, and I think this can only be done in Christian community, okay. is to recognize we're pursuing the middle of the road, which means taking a right turn or a left turn and not continuing on that trajectory. And trying to stay on the center of the road, which is a moving dynamic, I understand. The the signs of being on the center of the road, I think, are pretty clear. Um, Jesus brings peace. The glory goes to Jesus, not primarily the Holy Spirit. God's mission advances in the world. Leaders lead with humility. They're not building their own kingdoms. Mm. It's not fearful, fear-based, that sort of thing. So as an alliance family of churches, that's what we're aiming to do. And I'm not claiming we do it perfectly, but we're trying to avoid the, the excesses because someone's excess does not justify neglect. Right. It's got to move us towards being biblically rooted mm-hmm. and moving in the spirit. Okay. I think too, um, just in terms of, you know, if someone, this, this, if someone, you know, wants to give you a prophetic word, um, and it's just way off in La La Land, um, I think we also have to realize, look, this person uh, might not even be trying to, to hurt me or walk in a, an abusive way. They're just trying to hear from God just like anyone else. And so um, we, have to be, we have to walk in enough maturity to say, hey, look, that didn't line up with what I feel like the Lord's doing in my life. Um, and say, thank you for the word, but I think I'm just going to leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and in, and then in terms of, you know, healing and these types of things, sometimes we just don't know why people don't get healed. Like there's, there's a mystery around healing. And, and uh, I think, you know, sometimes there are disappointments of, uh, I, th- I really thought, you know, so-and-so was going to get healed or I was going to get healed and I haven't yet or I never saw them get healed. And and on this side of eternity, I think sometimes we just don't see that. Mm. And so we have to understand that um, uh, we're living in an age where uh, it's now but not yet. You know, not everything, uh, not all the promises in, in Scripture do we get to see this side of heaven. So Okay. Uh, Doug, you dropped a big word, uh, cessationism, which is a belief that, you know, some of the things that the Holy Spirit was doing through people in the book of Acts, like uh, miracles and 
gifts of prophecy or certain authority that the apostles had that that's done and it's not for it's not for now uh and that it kind of ended when that season of the direct witnesses of jesus ministry when they died how would you respond to that argument well i i graciously understand that um some people come from this background and so i i don't have you know condemning words for them but from the point of view of the position or the argument for cessationism, I think it really helps to understand history. The church has been around for 2,000 years. This position of cessationism as a, as a doctrine, mm-hmm. widespread, it, it's only a couple hundred years old. So in the span of 2,000 years, that's, that's a really short time. Mm-hmm. And I, I studied the history of where this came from. And it significantly came from uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin. And they didn't do it intentionally. But what happened was when, they, when, they, when the Reformation comes along in the 14th century, 15th century, they are reacting to the massive perceived excesses of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church had a high degree of spiritual um, manifestation. Much of it was related to superstition and pagan practices that were being brought into the church and even witchcraft. And so Luther and Calvin are reacting to a lot of what's going on in the in the church of their day. And now, God bless them. They brought us sola scriptura, only the word of God, and mm-hmm. only faith through, through Christ. So they did a lot of good. But here, here's the interesting point. So they both wrote these huge commentary sets, massive commentary sets. And uh, Mark, the book of Mark, about one-third of the ink he writes is telling stories of supernatural events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Luther has about one sentence that cites the supernatural John Calvin hardly mentions the supernatural at all. So these become the two foundational commentaries for all of Protestantism. And 150 years later, 200 years later, the Enlightenment comes, which is the the broad declaration, only that which can be scientifically studied can be known. So the church buys into it. And by the late 1700s, 1800s, many um, streams in the church adopted this idea that God does not move in supernatural ways anymore. So that that's the story of where it came from. But there's just no argument for it in Scripture anywhere. Sometimes people say, "Give me a verse that defeats cessationism," and I would reply by saying, "Give me one verse that that it's, says that it, it supports it." Because okay. Jesus says, "Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing." So if if there was a cessationist, and maybe their most outspoken. Uh, um, at the o- most outspoken advocate, at least in North America, would be John MacArthur. If he's pulling a verse that says, no, here is a verse that says that it's, it was meant to be over, what, is, what would he use? Or do you even know? Or he would just he would more, quote, a systematic theology of, of well, we're getting into fancy words like dispensationalism here, which I don't know if is helpful or not. But is there some verse that, could, that someone takes and said, yeah, it's over now? Yeah, I just have never come across one. Okay. You know, you go back to the words of Jesus. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. So what did Jesus do? He did a lot, mm. but he certainly lived a holy life mm. in humility. He proclaimed the word of God. He set people free from darkness. He healed the sick. And he says, whoever believes me is going to do that. Mm. And um, the early church fathers, I'm, I'm going to write on this in a year from now, but the early church fathers like uh, Tertullian and Cyprian and Justin Martyr, they Hundreds of years after the time of Christ, they describe a church wherever you look, not just clergy, but the followers of Christ are engaging in the supernatural work of, of Jesus through mm. his church. Okay. Um, <coughs> speaking of books, Doug, I know that uh, some of your research you're about to publish. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book that you have coming down the pipeline here. Well, the first one actually isn't related to my uh, research. I'm going to try to get after that shortly, but okay. it's, it's related to the roughly 50 Holy Spirit weekends that we put on in churches. Okay. And the, the book title um, is called uh, The Empowerment Pivot, mm. How God is Redefining Our View of Normal. And it attempts to ask, answer the question, if Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, um, why is there a gap in my life? Mm. And so it's an invitation not to actually pivot to empowerment. It's a bit of a play on words but it's a pivot to a God who is revelatory. So it's, it's one of his attributes. He's a revealing God. So pivot towards him. You can hear his voice. Mm. He's a transformational God. Pivot towards Christ. You'll experience his transformation. So it's, it's meant to be um, a book that could be something of an on-ramp for people to experience more of Jesus 
through the presence of the Spirit mm. of God in their lives. Uh, and how would someone find that if they wanted to find it? Um, it'll be out public uh, April 1st um, through Amazon and other okay. other venues. Okay. Uh, and the, the title again is? The Empowerment Pivot. Okay. How God is Redefining Our View of Normal. Okay. Randall, uh, aside from reading, like, again, that's... Uh, that's a common route of mine. Here's a book you could read. But if, if there was someone who was saying like, okay, I'm not going to go and read something, but is there, is there an experience for me? Is there someone who would guide me through, through a seminar or um, is there somewhere if they were looking not to do this themselves and sort it out just God in them, but engage with some others, w- would you recommend a place or an experience for them to try? Doug's Holy Spirit seminars. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> um, there's, I have a friend in um, Calgary, and he often will do hearing God's voice teachings, prophetic uh, teachings like this, um, and different various aspects of who the Holy Spirit is. Um, his name's Luke Niebergall, and you can find him uh, I think he has a website, uh, LukeNiebergall.com, um, as well. Let me you think. Take hearing God at Cochrane Alliance when we offer it. It's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know this. I mean, I'm going to go back to books because that's pro- my primary yeah. uh, way that I've learned. Sure. Um, but um, my, one of my mentors, uh, Ron Smith, he wrote a book. Um, on tongues, and I know this is a uh, when the, whenever the Holy Spirit comes up, tongues is always a a huge uh, ordeal. And so he wrote a great book called Private Prayer, Public Power, and uh, a lot of great Bible references and a lot of uh, historical references as well. Okay. And so uh, phenomenal book as well. One other book, um, another friend of mine, Nick Goff, he wrote a book about uh it's called when the old becomes new and it's about walking in the prophetic walking in the power of the holy spirit um yeah so okay doug on the experiential side anything you would recommend for someone who's like i'd like to kind of be with some other people who are seeking god the same way i am well the starting point would be and this may sound redundant is to ask jesus to lead you in this and as randall was saying ask your Heavenly Father for more of Him through the Holy Spirit. I'm a pretty big believer that Jesus knows how to disciple us if we give Him access to. Okay. So for listeners out there, as you open God's Word and you read it, before you read it, ask Jesus to meet you in His Word that day. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be one great thing to ask Him. Another would be, Lord, can you surface things in my soul that you wish to redeem more deeply. Hmm. And things may come up over the subsequent days that are surprising, but as they come up, give him access, continue to invite his light, continue to invite his truth. You know, Jesus wants to clean the inside of the cup. He wants access to the inside. And uh, I think those, those kinds of prayers of vulnerability and giving him access mm-hmm. to transform us deeply he comes through on. It doesn't mean the journey is always easy because surgery is not always easy. Yep. But boy, he's good. And his freedom that he brings is way underrated. And he has got a unique, customized pathway for every one of his kids mm. to walk more closely to him. So I'm all for these different venues and like the listening to God stuff and I put stuff like this on. Yeah, that's all fine. But I don't think any of it can trump uh, one's own deep hunger Mm. And going after yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. A few things I, r- I just wrote down here uh, in terms of pursuing the Holy Spirit and how, how to have more in, of His involvement, or sorry, more of the Spirit's involvement in your life. Um, and it kind of tags on uh, what Doug was saying, but take time each day to, to talk to the Holy Spirit and then listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, a practice that I've, I've done is just stay to say, come Holy Spirit, and then wait. Mm. Um, wait for his presence to come. Wait for him to show up. Um, and then honor the Holy Spirit. Allow him to uh, 
have room in your life. Make room for him. Um, follow his leading, his guiding, his direction. Um, <clears throat> I read in uh, actually the Ho- the Holy Fire book by R.T. Kendall. He has a quote in there. Um, said, learn what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that type of thing. And then learn what he loves and do that. Mm. Um, and so... Was there a couple things? Yeah, thank you. That's great. Guys, in some ways, I feel like we just kind of got the conversation rolling, but we've been talking for an hour here. So uh, thanks for opening up a little bit about your journey and giving us a little bit of your insight into what you've been thinking about and, and how you process this and put it together in ways that people might understand. I, I hope maybe in the future we could do part two and uh, delve into some other questions and go a little deeper on this. But uh Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here, and I think it's pretty cool what you, Jason, and your leaders are leading your church, and this is a church that cares deeply about God's mission. Mm. You care deeply about people being discipled, and you are caring deeply about the the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, and that is a killer trifecta. Mm. So we just commend you and thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thanks so much. And Randall, you can just keep working for me. All right. Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranalliance.com backslash real. Until next time, keep it real.